Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Today, and one of the greatest calls in the history of sports. Do you believe in miracles? That was 41 years ago today. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK on a Monday. We're going to get to baseball in just a moment, but I got to start with that. As a guy that loves play by play and has studied the craft, if you will, and is still trying to learn every single day, I'm not sure there's a better call in sports. There's some great ones. I think that's the best ever. BK, good morning to you. Is it? I mean, were you even born then? No, no, I was. Uh, I was not. I'm not 41. Okay. <laughs> um, I am. I'm 28 years old, so I was not around at the time. Um, it, it's it's an all time great. It's one of the best. What's you'll your ever favorite call? Locally, probably Don Dinkinger blowing the uh, call. It, oh, for, of course, y- yes, yeah, that's okay. that's a good one for me. No, I mean for for me growing up in 2014, the Royals going uh, winning the wild card game. That was the first time I had ever seen was my that baseball. Against the A's, it was. Yeah, yeah, I was at that game, but on the way home, I just listened to the call over and over. For Cardinals fans, I would imagine we'll see you tomorrow night. It's pretty good. I mean, that's that's about as good as it gets. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's got to be up there, but. Uh, I'm curious what people think about that, if that's the best sports call ever, just because of what it meant for the country and the shocking nature of it. It was just an incredible moment. By the way, speaking of hockey, we've got Blues hockey coming up tonight, pregame at 6 with Alex Ferrario. Uh, Blues come back from two three-goal deficits in the second period over the weekend, and they lose to the Sharks on Saturday, 5-4. to four. Blues power play again, 0-3. They're now 8 for 57 this season so they've got the kings tonight uh, the kings have won four in a row they split earlier this season with the blues there have been 13 one goal games right now for the st louis blues including the one on saturday it's been fun i was wondering how this would work out when you've got seven opponents you're going to play them eight different times in a condensed season what you're getting is tight games we have had tight games it seems like every single night which does make it kind of fun yeah it does i we're getting into danger zone for the Blues, though, with these injuries, Dan. Oh, and that's that's the real story coming out of the weekend. Like the game was what it was, and it's unfortunate that the Blues weren't able to get um, a point out of that. But eh, game two of the series came up to play again. But let's be honest, it's about Colton Pareko, the back injury that was announced last night from Jeremy Rutherford. He's going to be out for the foreseeable future, it sounds like. It doesn't seem like this is something that is going to just magically get fixed by the end of the year. This is a really significant issue for the Blues. Colton Pareko is one of the five most important players on this team, not just for the here and now, but for the future. And a back injury always makes me nervous, especially with a big dude like Colton Pareko. So 
With Vladimir Tarasenko, Jaden Schwartz, Robert Thomas, Ivan Barbashev, Sammy Belay all out of the lineup right now. You add Colton Pareko to that list. These injuries are starting to pile up for the Blues. Only seven points, by the way, for not paying attention in the division. Separate the Blues. They're in first place with 22 and Anaheim at the bottom with 15. Does that shock you at all to, to know that there there's that tight of a race going it's the on right closest now? Closest race in hockey right now. Yeah, and so this has got to be an important stretch of hockey when you look at the injuries and with the schedule. Some of the lesser teams here. Did you watch the games in uh, Tahoe? Did you see it? I saw I saw the pictures. I did not watch the games themselves, but I did see that there was a significant delay oh, yeah. in being able to play the game because, you know, the sun is not exactly the friend of ice. <laughs> the sun started to shine, and it got to be sloppy towards the end of the first period, but it was picturesque, man. It was really neat. I, I, just, I, I think it's great for hockey. I mean, you were probably getting a casual fan flipping through their TV over the weekend. They go, whoa, what is that? I'm seeing sunshine, and then they were doing, like, the drone look, and they, they had a blimp, and there's people in kayaks just mm-hmm. off the uh, in the water. And I, I just thought it was really cool looking, and um, I think it's something the NHL has to do more and more. Now, problem is, is that you run into situations like this. I'm sure it's very, very costly to put on these games. However, to bring in the casual fan, doing more than just a winter classic, you know, do one on a, do one on a carrier. Do one up in Alaska. Do one where you know you're going to have cold weather, but you have a chance to get these games in. Pretty cool. Pretty neat to see. It's a unique thing, and it's the NHL trying new and different stuff. And too often we get so stuck into this is the way that everything has always been. This is the way that it should always be. The Winter Classic became such an event because it's something new and different and exciting, and it engages fan bases annually. It's it's and now become casual an, fan too. I for like sure. that. And yep. it's become an event where they announce the schedule, and it's a question of who's going to get the Winter Classic this year. When the Blues got it, everybody in St. Louis wanted a ticket to that game. That became the game that you wanted to go to. It's the same thing for something like this. If there were fans in the stands, everybody would have wanted to go to Lake Tahoe to see their team play in that kind of an environment. We were on the Zoom this morning, switching gears to a little baseball. By the way, Bill DeWitt Jr. will be our guest coming up at around 10.15 or so. And uh, Mike Schilt said, not a lot coming out of the Mike Schilt Zoom, but he did say that everybody is in camp. And this is the official start of camp. So everybody is in. If you had a visa issue, I'm assuming, I think there's two players that had that. They're in. Andrew Miller was dealing with some personal stuff, and he is in. So everybody is in camp. Speaking of pitching, John Mosellock was asked about what he wants answered with the Cardinals pitching this spring. You know, what's our rotation going to be? And, and then, obviously, once you decide on what that looks like, that's going to dictate those roles into the bullpen. So there are there are real role questions going in. I think the the good news is we're very confident we have depth to answer those questions. Whereas in the past, there's been times where we've come to camp and we're we're head scratching for a fourth or fifth starter. Mm-hmm. That part is, is 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 not the same level of stress. So you know, obviously we're going to have to understand what the roles look like. They have options. I would say right now, Pencilman, Flaherty, KK, Wayno, Michaelis. Fifth starter, I'm going to go with Carlos Martinez. Now, we did hear a little bit about Alex Reyes and what the club may want to do with him. And again, we've talked about this a lot. Maybe using this season as kind of a swing role, if you will. Maybe even late innings. You don't know how things transpire uh, transpire early in a season. But building up innings and going straight from what he did a year ago 
with all the injuries that he's had into a rotation just didn't make a lot of sense. So it does seem like they're going to build him up, let him be stretched out. However, many of those innings are going to come from the bullpen. Yeah, and I think that's the right move. Uh, I know it's not what a lot of fans wanted to hear. I'm sure that a lot of fans would prefer to see Reyes in the rotation this year than Carlos Martinez. And I get that. Reyes is a super exciting young pitcher. But it's about more than just 2021 for him. It's about what are you going to get in 2022? That guy should be a stalwart in this rotation for years to come. And the best way to do that, in my opinion, for him to have more longevity, the stability of him being in your rotation is for this year to get close to 100 innings or so. And the best way to do that is out of the bullpen. So that's pitching. What about the offense? What question he once answered with the Cardinal bats? You know, I, I do think there'll be some competition in the outfield between now and the time we open. And so, again, very comfortable with the depth, very comfortable with who could win or, or, or gain those opportunities in the outfield. But there will be some competition out there, and that's good to see. And then I think maybe the, the, the most underlying um, overall question that will be, you know, how do we maximize or utilize Matt Carpenter as we come through this camp? And so, you know, these are fair questions and ones that we'll take advantage of the next five weeks and, and, and see if we can't resolve some of these issues. But the one difference I'd say is in a normal spring, when you have a lot of these types of questions, you may not have internal solutions. In this particular case, feeling pretty confident that we do. So that's a look at the competition. And I think specifically, probably BK, he's talking about the young outfielders and how this plays out in the next five to six weeks. You know, the one thing I would, if I were sitting down talking to those five, I'd say this is a great opportunity. You know, we, we've cleared the deck for you, you know, try to take advantage of it. This is something that we've been thinking about and trying to do, and we were able to accomplish that. And so now, I think for them, it should just be like they, they've, they've moved some things for us, and so let's take advantage of it. And, uh, you know, I hope to connect with that group um, over, over uh, the next few days at some point and, you know, just let them know that, that I see what they're looking at and what they should see is, is opportunity. Opportunity, clear the way. Dexter Fowler no longer here. I'm going to say Carlson's in right. Bader inside track and center. And it's what we've been talking about all offseason, really all last year, the young outfielders, and to see how this thing plays out. Yeah, I read earlier today from Ken Rosenthal kind of going off of this. He said club officials from the Cardinals wanted to begin the transition to younger outfielders more fully in 2020. But the 60-game season made evaluations difficult. For 2021, they accelerated that process by trading Dexter Fowler. The move with Fowler now opens up right field for Dylan Carlson. Bader will be in center with Thomas and Williams likely to compete with Tyler O'Neill for playing time and left. Nothing that we didn't already know there, but just further confirmation, just as we heard from John Mosellock earlier today, this is the plan. They want to see what their young outfielders can do all offseason. I, I know I for myself have been talking about a veteran left-handed bat. It seems like they're placing a lot of that trust right now in Justin Williams. So we'll see if it's able to pay off for him. One of the left-handed bats, he's a switch hitter, Dillick Carlson. Well, I think a couple things. One is, you know, just from a very simple performance standpoint, you want to see like how that second stint up with the big club is something that can just continue over. But I think more importantly, I think a lot of times with young players, it, it really comes down to just confidence and, and knowing that they belong. And I think in Dylan's case, when you look at, at how he played when he when he was up here the second time, you felt like he knew he belonged. And, and so I think from that standpoint, 
It's not like where we have like threshold hurdles that he needs to cross or something of that nature. It's, it's just really a comfort level of, of understanding that um, one, he's going to get an opportunity and, and two, he'll have confidence when he gets that opportunity. John Mosellock from the Zoom this morning with the media. You got Molina at catcher, Goldie at first, Edmund at second, DeYoung at short, Arenado is at third. I think he's going to pencil in there. <laughs> uh, let's see. So Bader in center, Carlson in right, and then left field. I would say if this was opening day, just throwing everything aside, I'd go with Tyler O'Neill mm-hmm. having the inside track. However, you're going to have to produce, and I think it's going to be a much shorter leash for these guys to produce. You may have a rotation of guys going out there and riding a hot hand. Yeah, I I went through this last night, Dan, and I know we talked about this a little bit last week. It seems like there's one or two spots that are up for grabs right now in terms of like the roster battles. And that's going to come down to the utility guys. Justin Williams, Austin Dean, Edmundo Sosa, John Nagowski, Jose Rondon. I think those are the five guys competing for the last one or two spots on the roster right now. So Gant, Hicks, Reyes, Gallegos, Helsley, Ponce in your bullpen from the right side, Miller, Cabrera, and Webb. So on the outside looking in, I would have Fernandez, Elledge, Oviedo, Rondon, Woodford, Whitley. By the way, Bader playing every day, I don't know. Right-handed pitcher's up. I got to look at maybe uh, Dylan Carlson shifting to center field maybe. Or Tyler O'Neill. Or Tyler O'Neill. But I got to look at that because he has struggled. There's just no other way to look at it. The numbers have been there in the minor leagues, certainly at the major league level. He has struggled in that regard, and then when you get into late-inning situations to help yourself defensively, especially with the lead, that's where you can put Harrison Bader and maximize his skill set. Yeah, I think the first month of, or of the season or so, that's when you see Justin Williams get his opportunities. Let's see what he looks like in left field. You can shift over Tyler O'Neill into center. You've got Dylan Carlson in right, and then let's see what Justin Williams gives you. The reason you have that left-handed bat on your bench is to utilize him against right-handed pitching. So when you're going up against a right-handed starter, especially the first month or so while you're finding out what Justin Williams can do, I'd like to see him get some opportunities out there. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. It's always great to have the chance to visit with Bill DeWitt, the Cardinals chairman. That's BK. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Unfortunately, I'm not down in Jupiter, Florida, but Mr. DeWitt is and probably enjoying the weather, the sunshine and the return of baseball. Mr. DeWitt, it's always great to have you on the air and taking some time for fans to uh, hear what you have to say about the ball club. How are things going? Uh, good, Dan. Yeah, I'm uh, sitting here in my office at Roger Dean Stadium. Rub it in. The window and uh-huh. Just rubbing it in, aren't you? Beautiful field, uh, sun's out, so uh, yeah, it feels good. I assume it's a little cold back home. Little chilly, but starting to warm up. You know, for you, you've been through so many of these in your uh, baseball life. Um, the opening of spring training, where everybody is in, and this is really the official kickoff to the season. What are these days, these mornings like for for Bill DeWitt Jr.? It's exciting. Today's our first um, first full workout with a full squad, and uh, I've got a schedule to see who's uh, taking BP where and it's just uh, you know exciting to get everybody here and and uh, get started who do you want to see I, I know that you look at the charts every day of the minor league guys you look at what's going on in the major league uh, team who who are you anxious to see at, at camp this year well actually I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them all I mean uh, you, you know they're all they're all here and uh, there's some pretty good groups. Uh, the last group today is pretty good. Carpenter, 
Goldschmidt, Arenado, DeYoung, Edmund, and Sosa. So that's wow. a nice group. Um, and then you have some uh, young guys uh, in some of the other groups. And uh, so, you know, of course, I want to see Carlson and Gorman and uh, the up-and-comer, up-and-coming hitters. Uh, so that'll be fun. But, you know, the good news is everybody's checked in. Everybody's um, had their physical. Uh, last I heard, everything was fine. And um, no COVID, uh, knock on wood. Hope that lasts for a long time throughout the season. Bill, I know Michelle asked this of Mo on Friday, and I would love to get your thoughts in it, on it as well. She asked Mo if he's able to actually kind of take a step back at a time like this and think about some of the successes, and in particular thinking about, you know, Nolan Arenado finally being able to get this deal done. Have you had an opportunity to be able to just kind of sit back and be like, oh, my God, Nolan Arenado is a member of the St. Louis Cardinals. And to think about, you know, the, the success of being able to get a, a deal that was so difficult to get done, finally getting that done. Yeah, we're really excited about it. I know he's excited to be here. Uh, he's really a, a great player who's had a, a great year uh, or a great uh, career to date with Colorado with gold gloves and um, silver sluggers and platinum gloves and and he's just a dedicated baseball player, which is fun to see. You know, obviously he's very talented, but, you know, he does everything he can to maximize that talent. I know the fans appreciate it, and, and he's going to appreciate the fans. So, you know, he's a great addition. And uh, there's a nice vibe in camp, I'll say that, um, not just because he's here, but, you know, everybody's back and, and it's the start of a new season. But, you know, the fact that he is here and – there was some uncertainty, obviously, with Wayno and Yachty, uh, and you know we got that done kind of late in the off season. So you know it all kind of came together uh, towards the end of the of the off season, and I think that's helped create uh, some good buzz down here. We have seen Scott Rowland, we've seen Mike Schmidt, we've seen Brooks Robinson. Um, does Arenado remind you of any of these great third basemen that that you've had a chance to watch? I've certainly seen all of those players, and those are the the greatest. And since I've been watching baseball in terms of defensive players, and he's right up there. I haven't seen him play a lot, just kind of when he's come to town and on TV. But uh, you know, I saw him take ground balls the other day. That was even exciting. Uh, and you know, the coaches were raving about how he moved and uh, just his dedication to his craft. I mean, it's really impressive. And as I said, Cardinal fans appreciate uh, well-rounded players and, and defensive players, and you know they're really going to love Nolan Arenado. Bill, I know a lot of the people that we've spoken with about Nolan Arenado, everybody seemingly mentions his competitive fire, the, the, the competitiveness with which he plays. And the guy that immediately comes to mind for me when I hear something like that is Yadier Molina and what he's meant for these Cardinals teams over the years. Do you see some similarities in terms of the competitiveness that those two guys bring to the field every day? No question about it. And, you know, interestingly, and I wasn't aware of this, I'm not sure our, our staff was aware of it, but they, they're they pretty good friends. And, you know, I think over the years have, have uh, well, of course, they've seen each other at all-star games and, uh, you know, they've each won a, a number of platinum gloves. So, you know, there's a natural connection, but, you know, I always say this about Yachty. He's at his best when things are the are the toughest. And, you know, he, he takes as tough an at-bat as you can see when it really counts. 
And over the years, that's won a lot of games and championships for us. And, you know, Nolan's uh, same type of player, extremely competitive and just turns it up a notch when it means so much. Bill, you, you take great pride, you and your family, of being stewards of this historic franchise. I'm curious, when you're looking at Wayno and looking at Yachty, uh, on just a personal level, how important is it for you to have them wearing this uniform and potentially retire as St. Louis Cardinals? It's exciting, no question about it. And to think, you know, two great players like that uh, to be on the Cardinals is a great thing, I think, for the franchise. And, uh, you know, over the years, we've been able to uh, draft and sign good players, but we've also acquired uh, really top players from other organizations that for one reason or another were available. And when they came to St. Louis, uh, they really did a job for us in, in helping us win championships. And, you know, it's really helpful because they spread the word and, and other players want to come. And uh, so we're fortunate in that regard. Cardinals have a great history. And I've always said when uh, when we took over that our goal was to maintain and build on that great history and hopefully we can keep it going now that you have acquired nolan arenado um as you reflect on this can you pull back the curtain a little bit for fans how how long was this in the works bill i mean are we going back a couple of years where you thought ah, eh, we might have a shot to get him and then he signs a long-term deal and then all of a sudden oh we might have a chance to get him how, how long did this uh trade uh, go for you in terms of just being in the works well, I know um, I, I checked in with Colorado, you know, on occasion over the years, uh, but he really was never available. So, um, you know, it, it and of course, he signed that long term deal. And, and that was uh, kind of a legacy a career type move, which to their credit, they got done. Uh, but, you know, things changed and and he he had an opt out in his clause. And so I think they were uncertain on that. And um, he became available under the right circumstances. And, uh, you know, we always had had an interest, but, you know, there really wasn't uh, much to it in terms of his availability. But uh, when we felt like we had a chance, we worked hard to try to make it uh, happen. And of course we did. It's complicated because, you know, a bunch of things had to happen uh, to make it work, and it took a while, but you know the end result here is we've uh, got a pretty talented third baseman. Bill Dewey, a long Jr. time too. Bill Dewey Jr., Cardinals chairman, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Bill, I did kind of want to ask you bigger picture about these kinds of trades because you look back in your time as the Cardinals chairman between McGuire, Edmonds, Roland, Holiday, Hayward, Ozuna, Goldie, Arenado. I mean, you have a long line of stars that have been traded here to St. Louis. Do you view that as almost a fundamental piece to the, if you want to call it the cardinal way or the way that you like to build teams? Is it, is that kind of the route that you prefer to go as opposed to dealing in uh, what is basically an auction in free agency? I think it's a better way for us to go an auction free agency. There are 30 teams out there and, you know, to win an auction is, is difficult. We've, you know, signed our free agents, but uh, the Holidays and Edmonds and that group that you talk about, uh, which have been so important to us, Roland, I could keep keep going. Uh, you know, a lot of them were on the end of their contracts, and we knew or felt that 
once they got to St. Louis, they wouldn't want to leave. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, it's a little harder when someone's a free agent. They haven't experienced uh, the St. Louis fans and the St. Louis experience uh, to convince them that, uh, you know, you should come our way if they have a bigger offer someplace else. And I understand that. So it's been a strategy of ours to get someone with a year left on their contract. In this case, he had a lot of years left, but, you know, he he wanted uh, to move on. They, they looked to do the best they could. And, and uh, so, you know, that one worked out in that case. But a lot of times it's, you know, when McGuire came, he was on the end of his contract. Edmonds was on the last year. I think Rowan as well. Holiday for sure. Um, and, you know, they got here and said, I want to stay. And it just made, we still had to pay competitively, no question about that. But it's a little easier when you're not, purely in that free agent market uh, to convince someone who's been in St. Louis to stay. As a little bit of a follow-up to that, I know the opt-outs have been something that the Cardinals have preferred to stay away from in the past. And this one, Arenado does have the opt-out after this year and next. What made you feel comfortable? Was there a conversation with Arenado, with his agent? What made you feel comfortable with Arenado with those two opt-outs over the next couple of years? Well, we thought that he would be uh, very happy here and that he wouldn't want to opt out. And, you know, we're, we kind of feel that he'll be obviously a core piece of the Cardinals for a long time. And, uh, you know, we hope to have a winning environment. I think we have the kind of players that he's going to enjoy playing with. And, uh, you know, he's made it clear that he really wants to be in St. Louis for a long, long time. So, there were certain aspects of the contract that had to stay in just, you know, to make sure that his contract retained its value over time. I mean, that's a uh, piece of the collective bargaining agreement that is in place. You know, the, they, they don't want players taking less to go someplace else because they're not happy or because they choose to exercise an opt out. But, um, so, you know, that was part of the consideration. We weren't concerned about it uh, because we thought he would be happy and would want to stay like uh, the players before him. Mr. DeWitt, uh, a lot can change in six weeks. We all know that going through what we've all gone through uh, this last year dealing with COVID-19. But I, I know fans are awfully curious about what it looks like. Um, you're working with the city and trying to get some fans in the ballpark. Um, opening day is about six weeks away. Do you have any insight of, of what we may have on opening day in terms of fans at the at the ballpark? Well, we know we're, we're pretty confident we'll have fans. We're, we just don't know how many yet. And I know our staff's working with uh, city officials and health director and so forth. Uh, to try to have as many fans safely as we can. Uh, there are going to be certain protocols with some uh, some barriers and spacing and that type of thing. But, you know, we've got a big capacity and, and we're outside. So those things should enable uh, a, a good number of fans to attend, not what we're used to. I don't think we're going to see the, you know, <laughs> sellout uh, standing room only early in the season. But I'm, I'm starting to feel better about the trajectory of the virus. You know, knock on wood, nobody really knows. But uh, hopefully as the season moves on, we can have many more fans. And, uh, you know, we're so used to having 40,000-plus at every game that 
it's disappointing that we'll have less, but I'm hoping that at some point in the season we can get back to, you know, those um, great crowds. And But in the meantime, we'll, I know the fans who are, are waiting to come will we'll make every effort to come, uh, even though it's a limited number to start the season. Cooperstown will have a little bit of a, a St. Louis flavor to it this season with Larry Walker, although, albeit it was only a year and a half, but man, it was fun to watch him and good teams back in the mid-2000s. And then, obviously, one of the icons in, in Cardinals history, catcher Ted Simmons. I, I know the team has always done special things for those Hall of Famers. Are you looking at trying to do something with that uh, this year, if possible? Uh, yeah, we do. We we plan to do something with Ted Simmons. I, I won't uh, spoil an announcement that we might have, so... Um, I'm going to let uh, the staff work on that, but uh, we certainly want to recognize him this season. And, uh, you know, it's a great honor and it's the ultimate baseball honor. Uh, it, it's too bad in a way that uh, Cooperstown, given the nature of the, the way they have fans, et cetera, that it's, it's probably, you know, they've already announced that it's going to be a, uh, you know, more of a private ceremony uh, and, but in terms of St. Louis, um, you know, we'll, we'll make a big deal out of it because it is a big deal, and he deserves all the credit and, and fan support that he can get. Bill, there's no easy way to transition to this, but I know that um, it was announced last week or so that Daryl Kyle's number, the number 57, for the first time in 20 years, will be used by a Cardinals player. Uh, Zach Thompson's going to be wearing that this year. I know this is not something that the Cardinals would do lightly. I would love to get your thoughts on what went into this decision of deciding that now is the time and Zach Thompson is the player to wear the number 57. Well, I think um, unless we retire a number, um, we and we have retired a number and, uh, you know, we you get to a point where you need the number uh, for one thing. And I think we felt that it had been a long time and, and we respected uh, Daryl. He was such a, a great part of really top teams. And he's another one to mention we acquired from another team, but That's right. great leader. And it was such a tragic, uh, tragic death. And, and I remember that day vividly. It was just uh, really sad and tough on our club. Um, but at some point, um, unless we retire a player, which is pretty limited these days to, Hall of Famers and, uh, you know, that group, because we have so many retired numbers, we need to get it back in circulation. And, um, you know, the, I think the staff felt that, uh, you know, get it out there, get it on a, uh, you know, an up-and-coming player, and, and that would be the right way to do it. Bill, how, how comfortable are you with a um, 162-game season and, and dealing with all the protocols and, and just trying to get through this thing, hopefully everybody healthy and safe, and, and we have a full baseball season? Well, uh, you know, the future is uncertain, but we'll make every effort to, to do that, and I know all 30 teams are making every effort to do it. I give the players a lot of credit. I mean, because the, the protocols aren't easy. That It's really a change in lifestyle. And, but, you know, they're baseball players. They want to play. They want to stay on the field. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic that we can get uh, a full season in. I don't know, you know, along the way, if there may be uh, some cases you see the other sports where, um, you know, no matter how hard you try, 
certain things can happen. So, you know, it, it's everybody's just got to make their their best effort to to make this work. And uh, as you know, we had the toughest situation of all 30 teams last year, and we ended up making it work. We, we played almost all our games. I think we missed two at the end, which we could have played if they were necessary. Uh, and our team responded. So, uh, you know, it was pretty remarkable. We had a winning record with 11 doubleheaders and playing all those games on a limited number of ga- and limited number of days. But we don't want to go through that again. No, no, <laughs> no. I know the players don't. So, uh, you know, it's just, you know, do what you have to do to, to stay safe, and uh, hopefully it'll all play out. Hey, Mr. DeWitt, really appreciate your time. I know the fans love hearing from you. Uh, Thank you for what you do for the Cardinals in our city, and hopefully we'll see you here on opening day. Looking forward to it. I certainly look forward to opening day, and uh, good to be with you guys. Thanks a lot. You got it. That's Bill DeWitt, the chairman of the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, And I can just tell you firsthand, he and his family take great pride not only in owning this team, but the responsibility of what it means civically to the city and they've done a ton in downtown st louis so uh thank you mr dewitt for coming on and and getting some information out there to our fans yeah and i i loved his answer uh specifically on the arenado uh goldie the the trades and how he's he's pretty open hey listen you know the auctions are not the way that we prefer to go um but when you look back at it dan and we talked about we've talked about this ad nauseum over the years but McGuire, Edmonds, Roland, Holiday, Hayward, Ozuna, Goldie, Arenado. I mean, there is a clear line of this is the way that we get our superstar here in St. Louis. And they've been very successful in doing so. And it's not for lack of trying in that 2014 to 2018-ish area that they didn't get one. It just didn't work out with Hayward and Ozuna. And so they kept on trying. It's like an NFL team that's drafting at the top of the draft. You try to get your quarterback, and if it fails, you try to do it again, and the Cardinals have done a really good job of doing that. I cannot wait to watch. I keep saying this, but I can't wait for it. Nolan Arenado defensively. Now, I understand that this team needs offense, and they need offense, and this guy can prov- you know provide a lot in the middle of your lineup in a lot of ways, stretches your lineup. He could be an MVP candidate. He's led the league in home run. I mean, he's done all those things. They need that. Don't get me wrong, but watching this guy play defense every night is going to be a treat. Did you Can't see wait. his quotes to Derek Gould over the weekend? Yes. It was incredible. So I'll pass He's this along. He's saying everything right, doesn't he? It's ridiculous. Like if you Perfect. could make a Cardinal in a lab, yeah. it would be Nolan Arenado. So here's what he had to say to Derek Gould over the weekend. He said, quote, it seems like the attention to detail here is pretty intense. There's a lot of attention to detail. They say things I haven't really heard before about the game, about this, about how we're going to do things. Or Okendo saying, you're not throwing because we're trying to save your arm. So he's got me doing this other drill instead. I took ground balls off of a machine on Friday, a pitching machine. I've never, never done, done that, that before. before. It's it, it, Maybe it's silly. Maybe it's simple-minded of me to get excited about these kinds of quotes, Dan. But the fact that he was one of the first ones down at spring training is meaningful to me. The fact that he's saying all of the right things about how excited he is to be a part of this organization is meaningful to me. The fact that you've got Bill DeWitt Jr. who comes on and says, yeah, the opt-outs, it's, it's not really a concern for us. All of that stuff is really meaningful because it's it's signs that this is going to be a match made in heaven between the Cardinals and Nolan Arenado. Oh, I would love to ask Jose Okendo, and if I was down there, I'd be able to, to say, what are you seeing with him? Like, what makes Nolan Arenado incredible? Because he is incredible. That's mm-hmm. all there is to it. But what can you do to even make him better? Have you opened up his mind to maybe some different things to That's even improve it? Thing. Yes. Like, for instance, 
taking, you know, 95-mile-an-hour ground balls off a pitching machine. Well, maybe he makes him a little bit better. He's, he's doing something different. He's just a sensational player that eats, breathes, sleeps baseball. So you get a different set of eyes on him. It's not your minor league guys in the Rockies coming up. It's not your your coaching staff. It's not your manager. It's a different set of eyes to maybe open him up to say, hey, here's something to think about. And conversely, what he can do for other players to say, hey, here's something I do. You might want to try it. The other thing that I found really interesting from Derek Gould, and by the way, he had a great story in the in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Highly recommend reading it on Nolan Arenado and what his first week has been like in the Cardinals uniform. He said that Nolan Arenado has an idea or um, an interest in having a job very similar to what Jose Okendo does yes. in the future. And so this is almost like kindred spirits where these guys are kind of speaking a language that almost like five, ten people in the yeah. world can truly understand. And they happen to have two of them working out together right now down in Jupiter. And so your your question of can he get even better it's an open-ended question that we don't know the answer to, but it's possible that the answer is yes. And if that is the case, and we're already talking about one of the greatest defensive third basemen in the history of the sport, whew, we're in for a treat for what we could see this year. It's my understanding, too, that, that he's very open to helping young players, like wants to bring them in and help them. I'll give you a great example, and they're saying he is very similar to this, is Matt Holiday. Now, Matt Holiday on his own dime, would fly in prospects to his place and say, hey, I want to work out with you. And now imagine that. These are guys that maybe have a little big league experience or none at all, but are considered top prospects, and they get to fly to Matt Holiday's house on his dime, work out with him, and it's everything. Nutrition, uh, preparation, batting cage time, all those things. And Holiday was amazing at that, at being a great teammate to help young players. And they say that this guy is the same way like wants to help them get to the next level. It's about a team, and you don't always have that in pro sports, which is impressive. Well, you, I mean, I just remember back to the conversation that Arenado had on the fast lane recently where he was talking to the guys, and he was like, yeah, you know, I, I was coming back from a basketball game with Matt Holiday. They were in the car together, and they were on the phone with Matt Carpenter, and they were just talking about hitting. And they ran out of gas. Like, they literally <laughs> ran out of gas on the side of the road because they just got so lost in the conversation about hitting. Yeah, that's a guy that I want working with my young guys. You know, Holiday listens to this show, and I hope he's not running out of gas now, but I I, I bet he's listening because he listens all the time. We need to take, uh, take a quick time out. Obviously, we ran a little bit over there with Bill DeWitt Jr. Appreciate his time very much, and this is 101 ESPN. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I promise again our thanks to bill dewitt for checking in this morning good job tanner lining him up and uh we get a question from the 636 and a lot of people have been asking me on social media or certainly on this show danny mack and bk millions of cardinal fans are awaiting the spring training televised games okay um my understanding is this Sunday will be televised. That is the 28th, as Tanner just said, uh, first spring training game is this Sunday. Uh, that's about as far as I can go. We're still kind of waiting. There's still some things. Are you going to be here doing the game? I believe so. Or as, yeah. At least as of right now? Yeah, I think we're going to do it virtually. Um, and uh, But the bottom line is we're going to get the games on TV. Absolutely. A good majority of them. I don't know the exact schedule. You probably will ha- uh, hear more about that. My assumption is later today, tomorrow at the latest, maybe. But uh, I can tell you that we are planning on doing the game on Fox Sports Midwest this Sunday. So fans are going to see that. And usually that first game, BK, 
the manager will put out the guys that you might see on an opening day lineup because fans come out. You you, you are going to have fans in the ballpark too. It's mm-hmm. going to be, I don't know what the number is, 1,500 maybe, 2,000. I don't know. I'm just taking a guess. Um, they are selling tickets, and um, usually you like to get the first guys. Just get them just a couple of bats and then get them out of there. Now, the question will be, there's been some confusion, and I'm confused about this, and maybe you have a better understanding of this. You know, there was talk that maybe first part of March, maybe midway through March, there was only going to be like five inning games. And then it was like, okay, maybe we'll have seven inning games. Well, there might be some nine inning games. It'll be dependent on the managers before the night that they play. So, for instance, if you're playing Houston, you know, Mike Schilt gets on the horn with Dusty Baker and says, what are you trying to do? Well, I got to get five innings for this guy. I got to get some work out of this guy. I got to do this, got to do that. Okay, you want to go seven tomorrow? You want to go nine? You only want to do five? So it, just be flexible. It's going to be a little bit different here in spring training. Yeah, Mo said on his first Zoom call that the plan was for the Cardinals to play all nine inning games. That was the plan. And then he came back like yeah. two days later, and he was like, hey, I want to clarify something. I said we were planning to do nine inning games. That was what everybody in their pod, uh, that this group of teams that they're going up against, that's what everybody wanted to do. Can't be out of a 40-minute radius, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's so what it is. They, they decided uh, that's actually not the plan any longer, and now they're going to switch things up, and we'll see. And it is now going to be kind of playing it by ear. They're hoping to get as many nine inning games as possible. Mo said that if they need to, they can have some B games that they set up because the Cardinals need innings. They have so many pitchers, especially young guys that need to see the innings this spring that the nine inning games would certainly be advantageous for them. But there are other teams where it's the opposite, where they have not enough pitchers to be able to fill that many innings and this many games in a spring training. So it, it is a team by team basis, Dan, but this is the... You mentioned how you're excited to be able to call this first game. I can't wait to see some of these arms that we are going to see going into spring training. Like on a normal year, there's a few here and there that you're maybe interested in seeing. The Cardinals have maybe a dozen that I'm really interested in seeing what they can look like in a big league game. By my calculations, they will be about 90 fewer innings this year as opposed to a normal year where you're playing 32, 33, 34 spring training games and all those games are nine innings. So they're playing 24. So it's about 90 innings shy. I think what you could see, too, is you talk about being flexible. I think one of the things that you got to see is I would imagine there's going to be a lot of B games on Absolutely. the backfields and saying, okay, we're going to throw this group of guys that needed bats, position players, that say, hey, I, I want to see some live pitching. I know you don't want to play me in the big game on the main field. That's fine. But I got, I got to see live pitching, and I'm working on something or whatever. Well, that's when you get in and Alex Reyes in the backfield to go your three innings, or Henesis Cabrera or some of the others. So in terms of Sunday, what I've been thinking a lot about what I'm really looking forward to. I think the first thing, and I, I probably speak on behalf of a ton of fans, Nolan Arenado and Cardinal Reyes. I, I want to see him. I want to see him come up. I want to see the standing ovation by a 1,000 people that are there because he's going to get it. Uh, that's going to be pretty cool. Um, the other thing I really am interested in watching and I like you, I, I want to see the arms. There's Libertor comes at the first guy I really want to see. I'm excited about seeing him. I'm excited about seeing the changes maybe Oviedo has made because he's right there. And we saw great growth with him last year. I want to see Nolan Gorman at second base. Yes. I, I want to, This guy can hit, man, and hit it a long way. He's got what you can't teach, which is that great power. 
I want to see him at second base. Now, we talked to Keith Law within the last week about some of the top prospects in Major League Baseball. We brought up Nolan Gorman, and could he see time at the Major League level? And in Gorman's case especially, I think if he tried to make that jump or if the Cardinals asked him to make that jump, the result would be just way too many strikeouts. Gorman's approach, and he's making progress for sure, but... Gorman, there's a lot of swing and miss there right now. Pitchers will realize very quickly what you're trying to do, and they will pitch to that weakness. And I think we see Nolan start to make some of those adjustments, but he's got more more to do. And I would say if we have a regular minor league season this year, I'm still holding out some hope for that, he'd probably spend most of it in double A and be working on making those adjustments towards keeping his contact rate high enough so that the power ultimately can play. That's one of the benefits, by the way, of Arenado. So imagine if you were playing somebody at third base, whether it was Edmund or Carpenter every day, and they're struggling. You got to wonder, and the, and the offense, generally speaking, was struggling. You got to wonder what kind of pressure the Cardinals would have felt to say, you know what, we're going to push this guy. It was a satellite camp last year. He's getting time in the minor leagues, and you're hoping, as Keith Law just said, that you have a normal minor league season. But I don't think you feel the pressure now to bring him up. You know what I mean? You continue to let him develop, and that's kind of the byproduct of Nolan Arenado here. So question for you, Dan. We're going to talk about this a little bit today because I, I think Nolan Gorman is one of the more interesting stories for the Cardinals for, for the spring training as well, especially at second. Would you, if I told you today, you can lock it in. Nolan Gorman is going to produce like Mike Moustakis has over the last six years. So basically since Moose became the version that we see today, which is a 260 hitter. To 30. With over a 162 game yeah. season, his averages are 34 doubles and 34 homers. Yeah. Now it comes with a low on base percentage; it's about 325. Fine. Take it, but he's giving you <laughs> yeah. a slugging percentage near 500. <clears throat> if you could lock that in today, is it would would you take that? Oh, absolutely. And and we may see that. I mean, the modern day player strikeouts are kind of accepted. Not kind of; they are accepted. And if you get a guy that can punish the ball though and walk into some home runs, like we may see with Tyler O'Neill this year. If he gets, let's say, 400 to 500 at-bats, there's going to be plenty of strikeouts, but he's going to have a few games he walks into some, and you go, okay, that's what that's the that's the trade-off, and we're okay with that. That's how the game's played. If he can be average at second base defensively, I think he might be your future at that position. I it, do too. it might be Goldschmidt, Arenado on the corners, and then you've got Paul DeYoung and Nolan Gorman. Yeah, and if he's not the, you know, he's not going to be Colt Wong, he's not going to be Tommy Edmond, but you're going to get 30 home runs. You go, yeah, I'll take that. It's worth it. Absolutely. This was fun, man. Absolutely, I enjoyed it, Dan. Uh, what do you have coming up? So coming up today on the show, we've got Greg Wyshynski. He was out at Lake Tahoe. We're going to ask oh, cool. him what happened, why, why, why the delays, and how the NHL can avoid those in the future. Also coming up to start things off, the Blues are officially in the danger zone with some of these injuries, but it does look like some of the cavalry may be coming. So we'll talk about that coming up here in just a bit. And a reminder, we have Blues hockey coming up on 101 ESPN tonight. The Blues and the Kings in the pregame at 6 with Alex. You've been listening to Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors, we're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.